Hello, my rebels. I saw a video of Steve Bannon, the Republican journalist and political strategist, being frog-marched into a police station to surrender to authorities. He was later released, but it made me think, I didn't see any of that during Trump's entire term as president. Was he arresting his political rivals, journalistic rivals? No, he debated them every day. He called them names and mean tweets, but did he actually arrest anyone? And then there was James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, and he had his house raided and his property seized. And then his secret documents leaked to the New York Times. Did that happen under Trump? I'll take you through it, and I'll tell you what else is going on down there. And I'll paint a picture, I think, of an American legal system that is being turned into an authoritarian machine targeting its own citizens. I'll, I'll give you lots of proof of that. I'd like you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's a video version of this podcast because I'm going to show you some documents, including a leaked memo from a whistleblower. I want you to see it with your eyes. I know if you're listening to the podcast, it means because you're probably busy. But if you got the Rebel News Plus version, you'd see what we show you visually. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com. Click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month, half the price of Netflix. And I tell you, we have stuff you won't get anywhere else, including... Weekly shows from my friends David Menzies, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Andrew Chapados, and of course my show is daily. All right. Tonight, are you comfortable with Joe Biden's political rivals being thrown in jail? It's November 16th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. Joe Biden ordered Merrick Garland to prosecute me from the White House lawn when he got off Marine One. And we're going to do, we're going to go on the offense. We're tired of playing defense. We're going to go on the offense on this and stand by. They, by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way you should understand, Nancy Pelosi took is taking on Donald Trump and Steve Bannon. She ought to ask Hillary Clinton how that turned out for them, okay? We're going on the offense. Did you see this video yesterday? You probably recognize that man. It's Steve Bannon. He was a conservative thinker and entrepreneur and political advisor. Uh, he was a strategist. He ran Breitbart.com for a while. Then he was brought in in the 2018 presidential election about halfway through the campaign to turn Donald Trump's campaign fortunes around. Trump sacked his previous campaign boss, put in Bannon, and seemed to work. Bannon worked for a bit in the White House after the election, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I'm guessing his temperament is more of a warrior and an insurgent than a manager or governor. Maybe that was it. Trump embarrassed Bannon when he sacked him, but Bannon didn't seem to mind. He kept doing things in the world of political ideas. He set up a very popular podcast. He was a very early critic of China and the pandemic. He's a battler. There's a lot of examples of people like Bannon on the left. Usually they run think tanks or popular podcasts or they're philanthropists who give to political causes. They're often embedded right into mainstream media as 
thinkers and pundits. I mean, Glenn Greenwald points out that so much of the national security deep state literally works for places like CNN now as official spokesmen. You see former senior FBI agents, CIA directors, it's just giving full tilt propaganda in the mainstream media without any criticism of them or skepticism, and that's somehow treated as normal. Uh, Bannon, a rare voice on the other side, was never part of an establishment like that. Anyways, after Trump lost the election in November 2020, the left had a vengeance that was palpable. No healing the country, no pulling together, blame storming and comeuppance. And one of the things they focused on was the January 6th political protest at the Capitol building in the United States in Washington, where a number of people broke into the building itself and trespassed. And there was some vandalism. Uh, only one person was killed that day, an unarmed protester named Ashley Babbitt, actually a military veteran. Uh, the cop who killed her has never been charged, but that was the only killing that day. An officer did die, but the coroner said it was of natural causes. I know that whole thing on January 6th was called a riot, and it was called an insurrection. And a lot of Democrats have said that it was the gravest threat to the American Republic since 9-11, or since the Civil War. But I'm not so sure anymore. I don't like trespass, and I don't like riots or vandalism. Um, the Democrats and their allies seem to. They had a whole summer of riots across America in 2020, including in Washington, D.C., Antifa and Black Lives Matter. But I noticed that while the Democrats talk about riots and insurrection on January 6th, no one that day has been charged with rioting or insurrection. The charges are more on the level of a ticket. I saw someone was charged with parading, which sounds about right. I have a friend who calls the whole thing the great meandering. And then there's the little wrinkle that the whole thing seems to have been provoked by FBI agents egging on participants and Washington police standing down. Like this guy, an FBI asset who has never been arrested or charged. In fact, tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to go, I'll say it. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail for it. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Yeah, so I don't think that this is turning into the Watergate that the Democrats hoped it would uh, be for the Republicans. I think Joe Biden's disastrous tenure as president has taken up the national conversation. Certainly, Biden's polls are shockingly low. Kamala Harris's are even lower, if that's possible. Inflation is high. Gasoline prices are high. Supply chain problems are perplexing. The whole world laughs at America, from China to the Taliban, and the pandemic isn't over, at least where Democrats have a say. So this whole January 6th narrative of the greatest threat to the Republic, I think it's failed, despite major media backing it. But one of the things the Democrats did is they summoned, they subpoenaed Steve Bannon to testify about his role as if a political activist and pundit and reporter is a criminal mastermind. 
um, of the great of the great meandering. Uh, I say, start with that FBI agent. His name is Ray Epps, by the way. If that helps, maybe he has more answers. So, anyways, the FBI they actually arrested Steve Bannon. They they had him turn himself in. That is, uh, here he is walking to the police station. He was later released. This really happened in America, not Trump's America. In fact, I can't think of a single political or journalistic personality who was arrested during Trump's entire tenure as president. Can you? I just don't think of any. Arresting Trump's aide, former Breitbart boss, so Trump was called an enemy of the free press because of his mean tweets, but Biden arrests a political rival, a journalist, and it's just fine. The media cheers, if anything. And just before that, James O'Keefe, the boss of Project Veritas, he had his office and his home raided by police who seized not only a copy of Joe Biden's daughter's diary, which reportedly had embarrassing entries about showering with her dad. I'm sorry, I had to tell you that because it shows why the diary may be politically sensitive. That whole family is uh, pretty screwed up, by the way. You'll, you'll remember that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, had a whole laptop full of crazy videos and photos and emails of him doing drugs and having sex with prostitutes and all sorts of notes about making money and all sorts of dirty schemes. The New York Post broke that laptop story in 2020 in time for the election. Um, the courts didn't step in. The FBI didn't step in because Trump was still president. But big, teps, big tech stepped in. Twitter, for example, suspended the New York Post account and censored this story, even though it was accurate. No one was allowed to hear the story from themselves till after the election. Well, now the FBI just went in and seized the Biden diary from Project Veritas and also seized privileged documents, legal documents, confidential documents from Project Veritas, which just happens to be suing the New York Times on other matters. And wouldn't you know it, the FBI started to leak what they had seized from Project Veritas, leak it to the New York Times. So let's sum up. In the course of a week, a Republican political and media figure, Steve Bannon, is arrested and forced to turn himself into the FBI for his journalism being too provocative. And a Republican political and media figure, James O'Keefe, has his home raided and his property seized, including privileged legal files for talking about things embarrassing to Biden. And crickets from the people who told us Trump was going to kill freedom and the First Amendment. Oh, and, and just a few hours ago this, just a few hours ago this, I wasn't even going to mention this, and this popped up on my feed today. The, uh, an, in, an internal memo from the Department of Justice leaks showing that Joe Biden intends to use counterterrorism squads and assets and systems, counterterrorism, against parents who complain about critical race theory being taught in schools. As you know, there was a major issue in the Virginia election. Parents were opposed to crazy things being taught in schools, and the Democrats actually pushed back and said parents have no role in the schools. Democrats say parents were like terrorists. Well, it's one thing for a Democratic candidate to say that. He lost. But this is the nonpartisan Department of Justice under Joe Biden acting on it. And here's Biden Attorney General Merrick Garland denying this whole thing just a few days ago. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Senator, anyone who's 
uh, child was raped as uh, is a, a most horrific crime I can imagine, and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to protest to their school board about that. But he was cited by the school board association that's fine, as a but domestic that's not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your judgment. No, this no, is, Senator, this is that's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. That's not Th- Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. You that, should resign in disgrace, Judge. So they're arresting political rivals. They're raiding political rivals. They're seizing confidential documents. They're planning to use counterterrorism assets and tools to go after parents. This is not Donald Trump. This is that what they said Trump would do, but he never did. They were just projecting. It's what they always wanted to do. And they're doing it. At least America has another party fighting back. At least there are two sides to the debate there. Not here in Canada. All the governing parties, all the opposing parties, all identical and everything important. How is that even possible? All five major parties in Ottawa, all 10 provincial governments, all 10 provincial opposition parties, all the same. All the media with 1% exceptions, the same. At least America has another side to the story. What might it look like here a year into the future if we keep on this path? I mean, British Columbia just extended its state of emergency until the end of 2022. So basically you won't be free till 2023. They just did it, no problem. Who does that look like? What will they get up to in another year? (laughs) I don't know, but here's Austria. Mensch, der in Österreich lebt, sich klar sein, dass er von der Polizei kontrolliert werden kann. Denn wir werden in all unseren Kontrollmaßnahmen, die wir Polizei... That German accent is is just too spot on. Here's the Austrian police demanding people's papers in the streets. Denn nur dann dürfen sich Personen, so wie hier im Südpark in Klagenfurt, in einem Modegeschäft aufhalten erlaubt, wäre sonst nur der Gang zum Supermarkt. Diese Dame hat Erklärungsbedarf. Was folgt, ist eine Anzeige, weil sie überhaupt keinen Nachweis bei sich hat. Ein paar Kilometer weiter werden auch Kontrollen bei Autofahrern gemacht. Doch sie müssen einen Grund angeben, warum sie unterwegs sind, sofern sie keinen 2G-Nachweis mit sich führen. What's worse, the Gestapo tactics in Austria? I recommend looking in the attics. That's where people hid the last time. What's worse, that or the people who happily complied? Yeah, tell me again about how Trump was the risk to our freedoms. Stay with us for more. I don't want to make fun of people for wearing masks. I don't want to make fun of them because they have been instructed to wear masks. Uh, I do find it a chuckle to see people jogging outdoors with a mask on or riding in a car all by themselves with a mask on. And I shouldn't be judgmental because when every doctor says to do that, every politician, every bureaucrat, the entire media says to do that, who are you to think otherwise? It is a little odd to me though when I see people who are unhealthy in every way. For example, there are a lot of people in society who are fat. I would say I'm one of them. If you eat junk food, if you smoke, if you drink liquor, if you're out of shape, to think that the greatest health risk in your life can be fixed by wearing a mask, I think that's what we call a placebo. I think that's fake. I think that's coping. As you know, 
the vast majority of people who die from the coronavirus virus are people who are overweight and have underlying medical conditions. A mask ain't gonna stop that. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people who put fitness and personal health at the center of their lives have thought carefully about taking the vaccine and have, after some contemplation and research, decided it's not in their best interest. You see this, for example, amongst elite athletes, people who are at extremely low risk from the virus to begin with, and who actually think about what they put in their body and the risks they're willing to take. And so it is with, I think, our guest today. He is someone for whom physical fitness is a job requirement and risk management and assessing different threats to him and others is what he does every day, at least until he was sacked for refusing to get the jab. I refer to Corporal Daniel Bulford, who was a specialized RCMP officer, a sniper spotter, who is assigned from time to time to protect no one less than the prime minister himself. And he joins us now via Skype. Corporal Bulford, pleasure to have you on the show. I. Um, I can understand why someone living in a long-term care home in their 70s, overweight, underlying conditions would, would wear a mask, would take the vax. Those are people at risk from this virus. You're a healthy man, I'm gonna guess, in your, in your 30s. Um, you're very fit. You just simply are not someone who's at a high risk from this virus. That's my view. What's your thoughts on the subject? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. I, I definitely fall into a category that would be considered low risk, you know, almost 40, just a little bit shy of that mark, very healthy, very active. Uh, I don't, I don't have any underlying comorbidities and I've made it a part of my lifestyle ever since probably high, going back as far back as high school to take fitness, health and fitness seriously. You know, I've evolved over time. I, I've tried various different fitness regimens, you know, with the goal of constantly trying to improve what I had before. So I don't feel I'm at high risk of the virus. I know, I know it can be very serious for some, like you mentioned, I don't fall into any of those categories. And what I have seen from some of the scientific literature that I've paid attention to from groups like the Canadian COVID care Alliance and their affiliates. It appears that someone like myself and some of the athletes that you mentioned, um, are likely at greater risk of an adverse event from one of the vaccines. than we are of severe illness or disease from coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, especially young men, I, I've looked at some of the adverse events. That's a fancy way of saying someone who was injured by the vaccine itself. Young mm -hmm. men, especially with heart issues, myocarditis, pericarditis, it, it's so noticeable that many countries around the world, for example, have banned some of these mRNA vaccines from young men. And I'm not sure how the science in a place like Iceland or somewhere in Scandinavia is suddenly different than the biological science here in Canada. But I, I don't, I think a larger point is I don't think you ought to have to explain yourself 
for not taking a medical procedure. There's no other field, there's no other disease or illness or, or malady that you have to publicly talk about your choices. So even if you were wrong, I think you're right, by the way. I think you're probably healthier than 99% of people, just like those sports athletes, those elite athletes are. So I, I think you're right, I think you're persuasive, but even if you were wrong, even if you had some theory that just didn't hold water, I just don't think you would have to bloody well explain yourself. And, and yet, is it a fact that your entire department or, or maybe the RCMP in a whole are firing officers who don't get the jab? Is that, tell me what happened. I mean, are you all being fired if you don't take the jab? There, yesterday was the official date for to have a your attestation completed that you have at least one dose of the vaccine if you haven't been fully vaccinated already and so if you have not attested and if you have not provided proof of vaccination by yesterday's date you're being put on administrative leave without pay hmm. they're they're claiming that it's non-punitive but obviously that's not the case when you're taking away someone's paycheck so that's the current status of many of the members in my position. Now, we've been looking at other uh, working people who have a union, and some of the unions are going along with the employer and refusing to fight this. Other unions are showing some courage. I, I, I don't quite understand the state of unionization in, in the RCMP, so forgive me for not knowing that. Do you have any representation? Has there been anyone trying to, within the RCMP, within, uh, well, maybe even other police, trying to push back on this? Uh, within the RCMP, we have the National Police Federation. It's, it's fairly young as far as unions go, like maybe only uh, a few years old. You know, that was, the RCMP was non-unionized for the vast majority of its, of its existence until the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that, that it was unconstitutional for us not to have that representation. So our union has not provided any kind of a, a challenge to the Treasury Board policy that affects all public uh, federal public service employees, including the RCMP. Um, we've, we've had various correspondence depending on the member and depending on the union rep but the official response so far has been that there will there will not be any kind of a charter challenge due to the likelihood of failing at arbitration based on the legal opinion that they received and so really what their support is is like they're they're publicly stating they support our right to choose, but that they will help us navigate the choice, our, the consequences of our choices. So essentially what that seems to mean is they'll help you with trying to seek either a religious or medical exemption, or they'll help you navigate the leave without pay process. Huh. So they, they won't even try fighting because they say they might lose. So we better not fight because we might lose. That, that doesn't sound like a particularly helpful union. Um, you know, there's some workplaces where I can understand in my gut why they would be extremely cautious on this. Like, let's say you worked in a long-term care facility, really close contact with lots of old people who have underlying 
infirmities. Okay, I get it. I mean, I, I don't know what the science is, but that rings true. If you've got a place you gotta be careful, it would be working really close quarters to, to old folks. But, you know, I, I don't know a lot about snipers and spotters, but you're typically outdoors. You're typically a great distance from other people. Um, you know, you're out, out in the sunshine and the wind. Uh, the idea that you would have to be jabbed to do that job. I mean, the only thing more remote, I think, is if you worked in a lighthouse or something. Like, you are literally the eagle eye on a high building or a lookout scanning the crowd for threats to the prime minister or other dignitaries. The idea that you have to be jabbed to do your job is laughable. Like I, I really, other than like someone who's driving a truck by themselves, I can't think of anyone who's more sort of like a, a lone ranger. Yeah, that's, that's, that's correct. Like we typically work in very small groups, you know, sometimes most often only as a pair and Rarely do I ever have direct contact with the public in close proximity. Yeah, I find it very strange. You know, I was thinking about the firemen because a bunch of firemen are being fired over this. And I don't know a lot about firemen, but I know that I know there's I know one central fact about them. They have come to terms with the fact that they may die unnaturally. They might they may run into a burning building, which is not a hum, normal human response. They run to danger while everyone is running away from danger. And one of the things firemen sometimes do is if there's someone who's passed out from smoke or whatever, they literally pick them up and take them out of a burning building. We've all seen images of that. And maybe 99% of the time they, they're just waiting. But that 1% of the time when the crisis comes, they run towards the danger. Like it's, it's an amazing thing. Not everyone's built for it. And I, I think that a sniper is probably further away than really close protection for a, like a personal bodyguard for the prime minister. Mm -hmm. But I would, I would imagine that there could be a scenario where you yourself might actually have to face a bullet, God forbid. I mean, you're, you're not right there like, a, like his body man, but your job involves you making the decision that you would possibly die to fulfill your job. And for someone to be so dainty as to say, well, I won't let a fireman come and rescue me from a fire if they're not jabbed, or I won't let a bodyguard protect me, God forbid, from a bullet. If they're not, if, if they're not jabbed, I don't want them protecting me from a bullet. Like it's such an absurd demand. Um, it can only be political. There's no medical basis for this. And I, I disagree with your union that, there's, that this is legally enforceable too. What do you think is really going on here? It doesn't feel like medicine. No, I, I strongly feel that this is way more about compliance now than it is about public health. And when you mentioned the, uh, the firemen and, and me as a police officer, you know, the majority of my time I'm performing a sniper role, but not all the time. Uh, I have faced many dangerous situations in my career, both during my time in the tactical policing world, but also in my previous, like the first six and a half years of my career was all Northern uh, policing up in the Yukon territory. So, as a first, 
when I see this current situation that we're in, one of the messages that I would like to get through to people is to kind of appeal to people's humanity and to pause and think to themselves, why is it that so many police, paramedics, nurses, firefighters, and even doctors are refusing to take any of these injections and are willing to lose their income over it. And some of them who have been speaking out since far earlier than I have, you know, risking their entire public reputation, opening themselves up to ridicule and attack. Like we're not refusing this based on a position of selfishness and only caring about a serious reaction to myself. I think overwhelmingly the, the opinions guiding our beliefs, guiding our decision are that if you listen to thousands of scientists in relative fields like virology, immunology, vaccinology, biology, and you listen to physicians who are treating COVID patients, many of them critical care, critical care physicians, there is, the science is not settled. So when, when I look at that, it's, it's not from a position of selfishness. It's from a position of informed decision-making where I have not just listened to the official narrative provided by the government, public health, and the mainstream media. I have deliberately sought out experts in the relative fields to open myself to the both sides of this argument. And I think the strongest evidence that the policy decisions are being made on is weak at best. Yeah. And it is not obvious that these are safe or effective. Therefore, if I question the effectiveness of their ability to prevent infection and transmission of the disease, why would I take the risk of a massive cardiac event or uh, a thrombo, a clotting related event, which could permanently disable me, kill me for something that doesn't even, that it, it's not even obvious that it prevents infection or prevents spread. In fact, public health officials around the world have admitted that these do not prevent infection or transmission. Ultimately, the goal is to provide you some level of protection from severe illness or disease. And that, that has been confirmed by multiple experts in the scientific and medical community that I have had personal conversations with since I started speaking out publicly. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and just, just last week, the Centers for Disease Control and even Bill Gates himself made, sim and even Anthony Fauci have said as much that the vaccine yes. really can't be called that. Well, I, let me leave you with one last question. I mean, you listed a number of professions there. And, and I think you make a good point. This has got to be about something more than health. So if you weed out anyone who's independent minded, anyone who really thinks about ethics, anyone who is, who is a critical thinker, a possible dissident, a possible contrarian, and 
And finally, someone who's got the courage to stand up to the institutions, because there might be people who are independent-minded, ethical, and critical thinkers, but they just can't risk losing their job or they just can't buck the system. So there may be some very thoughtful people who are worried about this, but they're just afraid. So if you weed out anyone who's courageous enough to say, excuse me, boss, I got a question. What you've done is you've reset all these institutions, the, the first responders, the police, the, the armed forces, the, the health system, you've reset them by culling the people who are the least compliant. And you have rewarded and set in place an incentive system for obedience. And I don't think that makes a healthier democracy. It might make a stronger authoritarian system, but I don't think it's a stronger democracy. Last word to you, Corporal. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that sentiment is shared widely across this country right now, that we are incrementally moving towards an author authoritarian style of governance. You know, it may have started years ago, a number of years ago when it was uh, an attack on freedom of speech and compelled speech law. And then we've seen a progression of this cancel culture that deplatforms anyone who says anything that may be considered unpopular, even if they're very thoughtful and reasonable about how they present their argument. And now this, with the enforcement and pressure tactics being heavily applied into the overreach of bodily autonomy, I think that's probably the most egregious overreach we've seen to date, but it's, it's definitely concerning that we are starting to move more and more towards an authoritarian type of government. And it's most concerning to me that so many people in Canada seem to be okay with that or willing to accept that. Um, I would say to people, if you think what is happening right now is wrong or it doesn't make sense to you, it's because it's wrong and it doesn't make sense. You know, we have become divided. The language that is being used has divided our, our nation, you know, between the responsible and the irresponsible, the anti-vaxxers and the sheep. And we have to stop. We have to stop that division. We have to stop allowing that division to continue and grow. We could end this tomorrow if we all decided to say no. The government, public health, even our enforcement agencies and businesses that are pushing these authoritarian policies based on weak evidence at best have no power. They need us more than we need them. They cannot enforce every citizen. On, they cannot enforce COVID restrictions on every single citizen. They need the people more than the people need them. Even when it comes to businesses, yeah. if the employees walk off the job, the business fails. The power is with the people at the ground level. If we can move past this false narrative, realize that we can all still cooperate and live together and we're not all threats to each other's safety. We can, we can reunite and end this tomorrow if that's what we decide to do. And all we have to do is just say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're not gonna enforce COVID passports. Yeah. We're not gonna force people to be vaccinated to come to work when they're healthy individuals.
right? If you're, if you're sick, stay home. Well, when I started this segment, I talked about people I see in their car by themselves with the mask on or waiting at a bus stop by themselves outside in the, in the wind and the rain with the mask on. And that tells me, unfortunately, that there's so many people who have embraced this, this new way of living that the idea of, of suddenly a popular uprising, it remains far away, although not impossible, as we can see from the streets of Melbourne. Corporal yeah. Bolfrog, it's great to talk with you. I wish you good luck and thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for your time. All right, our pleasure. There you have it. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your viewer feedback. Scott Affleck says, to the unjabbed up here in Kanukistan, the 49th parallel might as well be like the Berlin Mall when wanting to go to the U.S. Add to it medical apartheid, when it comes to daily life, it sucks. Remember, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Today's no shirt, no shoes, no papers, no service. The new normal? Well, listen, why would they stop if no one tries to stop them? You see what's happened in Austria. I showed you how they're literally just randomly accosting people and demanding their papers. That really is creepy to hear that in the German language. But, I mean, Theresa Tam is again saying that you're gonna need another booster and you gotta wear your mask again. These people simply will not stop if there is no countervailing force to them. An anonymous person says, after I've locked the front door and unplugged the phone, I feel okay. Yeah, well, you know, one of my favorite artists, his name is Morrissey, and he has this phrase in his in one of his songs called, stop watching the news because the news contrives to frighten you. And I think there's a lot of truth there, but trouble is in our business, we can't stop watching the news, we have to. But we're gonna do more than just watch the news, we're gonna try and fight the news, we're gonna try and change the world, and that's what we do at Rebel News. We tell the other side of the story, but we also try to do something about it. Well, that's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. And I'm gonna leave you now with a story about a group of people who work for a company called Metrolinks, and how we're trying to help them. Here's Sheila with that video. So the vaccine mandates, it, it pretty much, it's, it's full of holes. It's kind of ridiculous when you read it. But the bottom line is everybody gets vaccinated by November 1st, or you're put on unpaid leave for an unknown duration of time. And we don't even know what unpaid leave is, because, I mean, I don't even think that's a thing. Doctors and nurses, uh, fire, police, CMS, take our trains into Toronto to be able to perform their jobs. So, I mean, without us running trains, uh, the whole thing starts to crumble. So when I first started with the company, I dealt with a flood that had over 1,400 passengers stranded. That was a responsible crew with EMS. Every day we had people having heart attacks, we had overdoses, we had a lot of things that were the first aid responders to, just the three of us um, as a crew. And, uh, and the general public is relying on us. I have not had one passenger even ask the question, you know, is are the employees going to be vaccinated? Not one passenger in the last two years. And I've been working throughout, you know, quote unquote, the peak of the pandemic. We've all been working, right? So to say that now you need to get a vaccine in order to work is, is a little bit, I don't know, boggles my mind a bit. So the bottom line, that is what they're saying. And as, as of that policy has come out, we haven't heard a thing. So every day we're going to work wondering if we're losing our jobs on the first and 
there hasn't been an email or a memo or a notice or nothing from anybody. And the union doesn't really seem to be backing us, to be honest. I know there's a lot of you that are scared out there and that don't really want to say anything and don't know what to do, but we're here. So we're, we're not some kind of evil, demonized people. We're the regular people that go to and from work. We take you to and from your job every day safely. And uh, that's all we want is a fair shot. And we just want our choice to be respected. First of all, I think that this deadline is going to be moved. Uh, every other deadline that uh, has been imposed by governments or that these corporations has been moved. Um, and I think that uh, people who are listening to this and who are fighting uh, these battles should take uh, should take heart in that. These are small victories, but they are victories. We're moving we're moving the needle. We're fighting a very uh, big, powerful uh, foe uh, that has uh, it's a many headed beast. Uh, it, 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 we're talking about mass media. We're talking about government. We're talking about social media, um, and uh, and all of them working together uh, in unison to really to suppress the rights of workers. Mm-hmm.